0: Well, as we begin looking at the Gospels this week, let's you and I take a look at Matthew 1 and Luke 3. The Gospels, the good news about Jesus, should start with some basics, the foundations of the Gospel accounts of Jesus' life. So let's take a look at Matthew 1 and Luke 3, sometimes called the begats. So-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, that can all seem kind of tedious sometimes, but it's important because Jesus is referred to as God's only begat or begotten Son. So let's take a look first at Matthew 1. It begins by saying, This is a record of the ancestors or generations or the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham, Jews. And then it goes on and gives us all of the begats all the way on up to Jesus. I'll spare you those. You're welcome. Matthew's account is clearly showing Jesus of being Jewish ancestry. That's the big point. And this is important because the Bible tells us that Jesus came to bring the good news to the Jew first and then to the Greek or Gentile people. It's also important because Jesus was the prophesied Messiah of the Jewish people, and they needed to know that. Luke then also lists the ancestors of Jesus a little bit differently, all the way back, in fact, to Adam. In chapter 3 of Luke's Gospel account, Luke appears to be using the idea that Jesus, as the son of Adam, is the fulfillment not just of Jewish hopes, but of the hopes of all people, both Jew and Gentile. For out of Adam, the whole human family has come, and Jesus is the son of Adam. That's important because the word Adam is important. It could ultimately be derived from the Hebrew adam, meaning to be red, referring to the ruddy color of human skin, or from the Akkadian Adamu, which means to make, we were made out of the dust of the earth. According to Genesis in the Old Testament, Adam was created from the earth by God, and so there's actually a word play on the Hebrew Adama, from which we sometimes derive Adam, meaning earth, made from the earth. So by that ancestry, Jesus was known to be the son of man, but he was also the son of God. Now, interestingly, There's a sense in which Adam was a type of Jesus and that he didn't have a human father, for the one who gave him life was God himself. Similarly, God through his spirit was the creative power who gave life to his only begotten son, Jesus. So these genealogies of Jesus help make it clear to us that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He had to be both so that he could provide the perfect, spotless, sinless blood sacrifice that not only paid for sins, the sins of the whole world, once, but for all time. See, Hebrews 10 makes it all clear. It says, The old system, under the law of Moses, was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, Yahweh, the Father, you didn't want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, But you've given me, Jesus, a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings from sin. And then skipping down to verse 9, Then he, Jesus, said, Look, I've come to do your will. Jesus cancels the first covenant in order to put the second one into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus by his blood, once for all time. A bit later in verse 16 it says, This is the new covenant I'll make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds, and I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. All this was made possible because Jesus, by virtue of being conceived by a creative miracle of the Holy Spirit, was fully God, And yet at the same time, quite clearly from his ancestry, he was fully man by virtue of that ancestry. So that his blood would pay for the sins of as many as would receive him and receive it just by believing. Fully man of human flesh, he provides the blood required for forgiveness. Fully infinite God, he provides a blood sacrifice that is perfect and covers sins infinitely. Hebrews 2 verse 14 sums it up. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human could he die or bleed. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. I hope the next time you have the opportunity to read the begats, you won't just gloss over them or get glossy-eyed and read past them, but that you will see them for the important insight they provide in making Jesus the perfect sin offering for mankind, for all who will believe. Jesus, we thank you for leaving all that you had in heaven, allowing yourself to become infused in a begotten human body, so that through your human blood, but your sinless perfection as God, you could pay for our sins once and for all time. We thank you for that great, great love that caused you to do it. We thank you in your name, amen. So keep on looking up and keep the faith.